Welcome to Maison Pur, the podcast. I'm your host, Molly Hill. This podcast is all about natural living and how to get there without stressing out. We'll discuss easy tips to help create a healthier home, natural ways to care for our bodies, and so much more. chronic issues are popping up in today's kids, things like eczema, constipation, reflux, then today's episode is for you. Dr. Sheila Kilbane is joining me and she's made it her work to help parents get to the root cause behind some of these chronic illnesses so they can jump off the merry-go-round of prescription after prescription and really dig in and find out what's happening beneath the surface. We had such a great conversation and she also is providing several free downloads, webinars, things like that. So be sure to stay tuned to the end and check the show notes for links to all of those things. Hi, Dr. Kilbane. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yes, we are going to be talking a lot about chronic illnesses that we're frequently seeing in children right now. And I think this is a really important topic because as a parent myself, we've dealt with things that I felt so frustrated because I know I wasn't getting the answers that I needed or I wanted. And it's it's hard sometimes to know where to turn or what should even be signaling, you know, that you need to turn to somebody to get extra help. So hopefully through some of this, we can kind of open up parents' eyes to when it might be helpful to seek out some additional help with some of these more chronic issues that pop up. Yes, I'm excited to dive in. Yes. So first of all, I just kind of wanted to dive into your background a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey from conventional medicine to integrative? Yeah. So I, as, as with most people, it was very circuitous. And, you know, if you had told me that I would be talking about nutrition now, you know, I would have said you were crazy or talking about dairy and things like that. And so I, when I, got out of residency and started practicing, I realized I was seeing the same kids each month and I was seeing them over and over and over for the same thing that would keep coming back. So these were the kids with reflux, eczema, recurrent ear and sinus infections, you know, chronic runny nose, allergies, asthma, constipation, abdominal pain. And we would give them, whether it was an antibiotic or an antacid or a steroid, we would give them the medication and they would get better over two weeks and then they would get sick again over the following two weeks and they would be back in my office in a month. And I'm just one of those people who's not going to keep doing the same thing over and over if it doesn't seem like it's working. So I started studying and, and reading and really listening to moms. And I remember like it was yesterday when one of the moms came in and she her little boy, I'd been seeing him since he was born, and he had eczema and recurrent ear infections. And the, there were so many ear infections that we'd had to refer him to get ear tubes. And there was a glitch in the insurance, and he didn't end up getting the ear tubes. And I'll tell you about that. But with the eczema, she came in around his nine-month visit and said, you know, Dr. Kilbane, I took dairy out of my diet. She was breastfeeding, and his eczema improved. And I said, well, I don't know why that is, but keep it up. 
And then I'll call my friends who are naturopathic doctors and I'll figure out what we're going to feed him when he, you know, as he's starting to eat more and when he turns a year of age. So come fast forward to that one year well child check, she'd had a mom had a big plate of eggs, right? So so that means he was exposed to a lot of eggs through through the breast milk and he had a significant eczema flare. So we said, okay, dairy and eggs both trigger the eczema. And at that visit, he still had fluid in his ears. So he, you know, we don't want to have fluid just sitting in kids' ears because that can cause some hearing challenges. And so what I said was, okay, now, you know, come back in three weeks and we'll, you know, check up on his skin and check out, check his ears. Well, his skin completely cleared up and the fluid in his ears cleared. Wow. So, right. And so what I know now is that with eczema, you know, a third of the time food can trigger can be one of the triggers and dairy and eggs are the two big culprits. But I had no idea at the time what was happening. And we'll get into more of this as we, you and I talk, because we'll talk about some systemic inflammation and things like that. But that was just the beginning of my journey into all of this. Yeah, that is so fascinating. I, you know, it's hard not to think back to things like my daughter had reoccurring ear infections and I got so frustrated because we were on track to get tubes and luckily, you know, that didn't end up happening. But yeah, I can totally feel the frustration of that mom. And that was so intuitive of you to, you know, just connect the dots and know that there's something deeper going on. It's not just like, here's, here's another cream or here's another prescription for something else, you know? Right. And it's what we, because we always, when we look at food and inflammation, that puts a damper on our immune system, right? Because I have a lot of moms who will come in and they'll say, you know, my child has, their immune system is weak. And I always encourage people not to verbalize it that way because it's really, if, you know, there are very few kids who have a true immune deficiency. And what they really have is that they've got some excess inflammation from, it might be from food, it might be from some allergies, things like that. And when we are feeding the kids the food that's right for their system, that allows their immune system to work optimally. So Mm. we, right, we see a different child when we get the, you know, when we get things into better balance. Yes. Yeah. That's fantastic. So talking about the chronic illnesses that you see in kids, you listed a ton of them. In fact, like <laughs> I wish I could go back in time because I feel like I know so much more now as a mom of a nine and almost 12 year old. But when, you know, I dealt with a lot of those issues when my kids were very young and I know I have friends. It's so prevalent. It's, it's become so common. So, you know, some of the chronic is- issues you listed, but would you say the main ones are things like constipation, eczema, reflux? What are some of the heavy hitters? Yeah, those exactly. And so constipation, um, abdominal pain, it will be recurrent ear and sinus infections, asthma or wheezing. Um, It can be bumps on the back of the arms. These kids might have dark circles under their eyes, mouth breathing, snoring. And when you look at it, so there's, there's something called the atopic march or the allergy march. And we learn it in medical school and residency of that this is just kind of an inevitable path that 
kids will take if they start off, you know, if they have, and the, so they, a topic March is the kids start off with eczema. They often will get a chronic runny nose. Then they may start wheezing. Then they go on to get allergies and they get diagnosed with asthma. And if we start to take a look immediately at, yes, they may have this genetic underlying predisposition for these things, but can we modify the course if we take action right away to figure out, you know, what nutrition is best for them? Do they need any supplements? Can we optimize their digestion? And we can start to shift what the future, their future health looks like. And one of the cases I wrote about in my book was of a little boy, and he was exactly that. He had all of those things. He was mouth breathing and snoring, and he had wheezing. And he, the, with, he had one of the wheezing episodes, he needed an oral steroid because it was pretty significant. And he just went, his behavior went bonkers. And so the mom knew she wasn't going to be able to do a steroid again. And so that's when she sought me out. I was doing primary care at that time and implementing integrative medicine into my practice. And so part of what we do in integrative medicine is really do a thorough history, which is, it's, it's, a, it's what we do in conventional medicine. Also, we just ask some additional questions and we look, you know, we also really incorporate um, nutrition and things like that. So what I did with this visit with this little boy is we, we looked back and he had all the signs of a dairy, of dairy sensitivity. He had reflux as a baby. He was super fussy he had dark, he was a mouth breather. And when you're a mouth breather, that usually means that you're, the inside of your nose is pretty swollen and blocked up. So you, as a result, you have to breathe out of your mouth, right? So that's some inflammation that's in his nose. And he was the one sitting on the, the exam table. He was that kid who sounds like Darth Vader, right? He was... <sighs> You, you shouldn't necessarily, you like the, the uh, audio, um, you shouldn't necessarily hear somebody breathing, you know, especially a little kiddo. Their mouth should be closed and it should be a quitty, pretty quiet process. So we, we, you know, we talked about nutrition and then we also talked, went through his environmental allergies, which the previous pediatrician did a beautiful job, had done blood work and looked at his environmental allergies. And for him, dust mites were over a hundred, which is very, very high. And so then we talked about his environment and he, dust mites collect in, especially in bedrooms, they collect with um, books and stuffed animals and he, and mattresses. And he was sleeping on a mattress that had been his uncle's from when his uncle was in college, right? So that mattress had seen a lot and it had been, it was at least 20 years old. So we removed dairy, you know, and the, the processed packaged foods, we decreased those and, and refined sugars and we got rid of his mattress. And he came back three weeks later and he was like a different child. And so he, when, when I was writing the book, cause I had, you know, I probably saw him until he was seven or eight, but then I shifted practices. So I reached back out to the mom and he, he genetically, and because of his history, he was 
9.8 times more likely to go on and develop asthma, you know, than an, another child who didn't have the same history as him. But he did not, maybe once a year, he would use a little bit of albuterol when he had a bad cold, but otherwise he w- didn't have any issues with it. And so it's, you know, that's an N of one. And again, we need more good, um, bigger number research um, projects showing this. But it's, I mean, once you see one child, when you're really looking at the inflammation and the function of the body and the function of the cells, it's remarkable the turnarounds we can see. Yeah, that that really is incredible. And, you know, that's so great. The mom was able to find you because I'm sure had the child not had that intervention with the mattress and just the very thorough look at his environment and what all's going on, you know, who knows what would have gone on with his health after that. Exactly, exactly. And it's, you know, the, the one of the things that the mom said is that, you know, I wish I had known some of these things earlier, you know, because we probably could have made some significant headway in how fussy he was and with his reflux, you know, and that's a lot of that can be dairy. Um, yeah. Contributing to that. I, I also, in mean, just for the moms listening, as somebody who's been in the shoes of that mom thinking, I wish I knew what I knew now, it, it is hard not to mm. have some mom guilt over things, especially when you've seen your little one struggling with something. But also, I mean, we are all just in this learning, you know, it's you don't just come out knowing everything. It's a process to, to even know where to get the right answers. So you can't beat yourself up over things that you just didn't know. Oh yeah, I always say it's if I can do anything it's the hit the delete button on a, any mom guilt that our you know the moms in my practice might have because it is I always say they're doing so well because of you. That's right. Yeah, and it's right this stuff is a lot of work. It is not right you're going down the path less traveled in this society. And once you choose to start eating a different way and, you know, living as healthy as you can, you can, in some circles, you become a pariah, you know, it's like, Oh, you're that person. Yeah. And it takes a lot of inner strength to say, you know what, that's all right. I don't need to, you know, they can say that that's fine. I'm just going to, you know, quietly do my thing. And when you're the ones who feel better. And I've had, I've had that a lot too in my practice where somebody will notice a child in daycare and how their shift in health and how much better they look and that they're in daycare now because they're not out sick all the time. And the parents will say, what are you all doing? And that's when it's, um, you know, it's nice because that's a good affirmation for the parents. Cause you can, a lot of these kids, you can physically see the difference in their physical well being. Wow. Yeah. And that is, like you said, that's a great just affirmation that they they were on the right track doing the right thing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So some of the issues we've mentioned, say um, ear infections and things like that, do you, well, I will say this often, and like I said, as a parent who's gone to a pediatrician presenting with many of these issues with my children, um, I feel like sometimes it's treated as its own issue, whereas the more I've grown and learned uh, you know, through things with my own children, a lot of times that's just a symptom of an underlying issue. And I wanted to get your take on that. Do you feel like a lot of these issues are actually just alerting you to a more underlying issue that could be happening? 
Yes. Yeah. And I love that, that observation. So I always call eczema the canary in the coal mine is mm. that signifies many other underlying issues that we need to look at. And eczema is one of those first illnesses in that atopic march or the allergy march that we definitely recognize in, and that's what we learn about in conventional medicine. But in integrative medicine, we look at it as the beginning signs of inflammation. And so the, the, an easy way that I have started breaking it down is that we, you know, inflammation equals illness. And so if we look at what triggers inflammation, then we can start to get to the root of things. And so the way I lay it out in my book, and we have these great visuals, it's got all, it's everything. It's a full color book and it's five main triggers of inflammation. So it's food, environmental allergies, environmental toxins, infectious diseases, and stress. And stress can be physical, it can be emotional, and all of these things can weigh equally. So we want to really just be pragmatic and look at each piece of the puzzle to figure out you know, what we need to do to decrease the child's exposure to, the, to their particular triggers of inflammation. So that kind of actually leads me to my next question because I feel that kids today just seem to be so overwhelmed with inflammation and, you know, it's leading to these and and also other chronic issues. Why do you feel like this is happening more today than it was, say, 50 years ago? Yeah. Oh, I could talk for about five hours on this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They, my from all the reading and research and from having seen the huge shift in children's health over the last, just over my career, really the last 20 years is I, I think that we've changed our environment so much and we've changed the food that we eat so much. Um, so everything from the herbicides the, and the pesticides that we use, right? We've, there's, there's something called Roundup that is sprayed, you know, I, and I, this, this part, don't, I don't think I was able to make this in the book, but the, the millions and millions of gallons that are used of Roundup on crops, on, you know, commercial crops, it's also used in private people. You look at many people's garages and they have a bottle of Roundup that they spray around. So, that is one thing. The active component of Roundup, or one of the active components, is something called glyphosate. And that was originally patented as an antibiotic. And there's a researcher out of MIT, Stephanie Seneff, and she has been studying what happens when the body is exposed to this. And what in, in some of her animal models, what it's showing is that the glyphosate kills some of the more beneficial bacteria that we have in our gut, like the, the lactobacillus and a, the bifidobacterium and other things like E. coli, certain strains of E. coli and um, clostridia are resistant to it. So those, we get an increase in those. Um, so I think that's that's one thing. And I think that we have also started we we just we eat out all the time 
and we're eating a lot of processed fats, all the oils, even at expensive restaurants, you, the food, most of the time the food is going to be cooked in cheap oils that are pro-inflammatory. And we've changed, we've literally changed the ratio of the fats in our cell walls. So we've got more rigid cell walls and they're, they have higher omega-6 and 9 content, which just means those are more pro-inflammatory. And the omega-3s are the more neutral or anti-inflammatory. So, and then, you know, just our processed packaged foods, we eat a lot more sugar. And if you look at a a, a typical child's diet in the U.S., it's probably a bowl of cereal, often sugar cereal with milk, which is, that's those two together, lactose in milk is a sugar. And a cup of milk has about half as much sugar as a cup of soda. So we've got a lot of sugar right there. And then at lunch, they might have chicken nuggets and French fries, and then maybe pizza for dinner. And maybe they went to soccer practice and they had one of those sport drinks. So we really haven't had any fruit or vegetable and we've had a lot, just a, a load of simple carbohydrates. So we haven't fed the bacteria in the gut what it needs in order to, to grow the, for the good, healthy bacteria to proliferate. And it's all, we're only feeding the not-so-beneficial bacteria. And I'm, I'm going to say one other thing, but do you have any, any – does that so far make sense? Oh, it does. And actually, I've been on – a soapbox about glyphosate for years. <laughs> and I have a very helpful um, infographic thing on Instagram about the omega-6 ratio versus you know what we're supposed to be getting uh-huh. that I will post the day this goes live so that you I'll put it in my stories. Perfect. So you if anybody was having trouble understanding that, hopefully that'll break it down pretty well. Yeah, that's that is we're right. We're preaching to the choir of each other. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, it's a lot in for parents listening. Cause we can get it. I mean, we can geek out with the, you know, the science and the details of it, but you don't have to go, you know, don't worry so much about that. Just think about real food. Is it, did it, you know, did it come out of the ground? Did it come out of a, off of a tree? You know, if you're eating animal products, you know, was it grass fed? Were there chemicals used? Were there hormones used to grow the animals? Just get food, just get real food and, and good filtered water. Um, the other thing I wanted to just talk, take a minute to describe is the 10 human study. Have you read that? No, I haven't. Okay, so this was done by the Environmental Working Group, and it was the mid, I believe it was the mid-90s. So they took 10 babies, and they, they took the cord blood, which means they're, they're, draw, they're getting the blood before this baby has ever set foot on the earth. And they checked them for 400 different chemicals. And with each of these babies, they found almost 300 div- different chemicals in the cord blood. And these were things that were carcinogenic. These were um, chemicals that had been banned 30 years prior to when this study was done. Um, They were things like Cialis, um, albuterol, antidepressant drugs, right? Cialis is a male enhancement drug. So 
these were these are things that are getting thrown into landfills and they're seeping into the groundwater and we are getting exposed to them you know without knowing it and that's because people you know we 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 all know the rates of autism and ADHD and mood disorders is rising rapidly in kids and then you look at it in the adult population and we see Alzheimer's disease, dementia, Parkinson's, um, you know, cancer, autoimmune conditions, all these things are increasing significantly as well. And so we have to ask ourselves, what, you know, what have we changed? And that's the big stuff, what we expose ourselves to and what we put in our mouths and what we put on our bodies, right? Lotions, deodorants, which is why what you do is so important because it's, I think there's a stats of of women use like 11 products before they even leave the house in the morning, something like that. I think it's even higher, honestly. I would, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Women and children, we, we use the most products. I mean, obviously some men would use a lot, but um, just the, the overall exposure, when you see the products stacked up, like just how many you're using in each day, it's pretty overwhelming. Yep. And all of that gets absorbed into your system. And there's, I did a talk once for a group here in Charlotte and part, it was, it was, I think it was called nutrition toxins in your path to health. And I wanted to really show that when you stop using those toxic products, your body clears. So there are two studies that I always look at. And well, one study, the other one was, um, it was done by a uh, a news reporter. And what this news reporter did is she, they checked the levels, um, the chemical levers, levels in her blood, you know, at baseline with the products, the makeup that she was using. And then she switched to all organic just for a week and the levels went down significantly. And it was re- quite remarkable when I saw that. I mean, it and really then- shows the impact. Oh, very much. And that was that was the beginning because I had everything in my life was pretty clean up to that point, you know, other things. But that was when I really made the change with my my beauty products. Um, And the other study, it was in a group of kids with ADHD. And what they looked at is that when you so first of all, group of kids with ADHD and the kids that had it versus those that didn't, they had higher than the the average amount of um, it's a it was an organic um, herbicide like a pesticide that they had in their urine. Um, I have to pull up the study to remember now exactly what the what the chemical was. Um, but then there's another study that showed if you take these kids, you measure their urine. And you put them on a clean diet. So clean meaning food that does not have chemicals on it. And you feed them that for a week. All of it clears from their urine. So it's really a big, it does make a difference. Because I think sometimes dads also need to be convinced of this. Yes. (laughs) That's, um, yeah, hands down, it's, you know, it makes a difference. Yes. Well, you touched on a lot of what I wanted to get into next, which is basically nutrition and diet. I think it's so important. Like I said, I've been on my soapbox about glyphosate for years, but there's plenty more out there that are equally as harmful. Um, So 
I know trying to eat organic, at least um, sticking to the clean 15, if you're not, uh, things like that are important. Do you have any other things you could add about what would be an ideal diet or what would be just some general diet and nutrition advice for parents trying to clean up their, their child's diet? Yes. Um, so one of the things that I created when we were, when I was, well, I did it long before a lot of this stuff I, I had created before the book and the book just, we just coalesced everything. So I start off before we start talking about dairy and, you know, we, sometimes we can miss the forest through the trees. So the first thing we do, I have this mini cleanse for kids and everybody said, Oh, you can't say mini cleanse. You can't use the word cleanse with kids. And I, I always loved it. First of all, it's got, you know, it's got a good little ring to it, but that's kind of what it is, is we're just doing, we're really cutting out the junk and increasing the good, making room for the healthy stuff. So what I do day one is, and we, you can do this over seven days, or you could do, you know, take one week to make each change, or you could do it over, you know, take a month to make each change. But what I recommend is you take day one and you cut out the sugary drinks. So those are things such as sodas, um, sport drinks, um, uh, juices, you know, fruit juices, people, we have gotten lulled into thinking that those are healthy, but it's really just a big load of sugar. And if you eat, an, uh, eating an orange is much, much better than drinking a glass of orange juice. Um, you know, fresh squeezed or um, juice that you make at home that you blend up. Like if you, I'd rather you put an orange in the blender and blend it up with some ice and drink it that way, because then the sugar is still attached to the fiber in the juice. And then the sugar gets released much more slowly into the system. And it's not such an overwhelming thing for the body to keep up with. So that's what I would replace the sugar drinks for filtered water. And then day two, we want to cut out the artificial colors. So those are things like all lots of sweets, um, you know, cookies. You, there's, it's surprising how many things have, have colors and dyes in them. And also you want to look at vitamins and medications. Um, sometimes the medications we can't change because it's just what you can get. But like a lot of the kids in my practice, we end up getting prescriptions compounded so that we can get them without the dyes and colors and the sugars, um, right? The pink amoxicillin that we all take, there's a reason that it's pink. Um, and then day three, we decrease the packaged snacks and we try to replace that with things like, can we do nuts and seeds and, um, you know, fruits and veggies. And then day four, we're going to decrease the refined sugar, right? So do again, donuts, sweets, um, you know, cookies, things like that. And can we just increase our naturally sweet food, like fruits? You know, so many fruits have are so delicious. If you get a strawberry, right, a good organic um, or organic ripe strawberry in the, the right time in the summertime, there's nothing better than that. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then processed meats. So hot dogs, deli meats, you know, lunch meat, sausages, things like that. And if you can do organic and nitrate free, that will make a really big difference. Um, you know, can you just do a baked chicken and maybe you can use that for snacks versus some of the deli meats that are, you know, filled with processed, um, 
ingredients. And then day six, we decrease the processed fats. So these are going to be things like things that are cooked in all those fats. So if you're going to drive throughs a lot, French fries, chicken nuggets, the burgers, all of that stuff is going to be cooked in in pro-inflammatory fats. And if we can have those things, same things, like i all about some French fries if you can make them at home so that you can just bake them in the oven and you can use a much healthier fat um, to put on them. You can put some olive oil on them. You could bake them with some ghee or even I'd rather butter if your family tolerates butter than some of the other, those vegetable oils. Um, and then day seven, I just say, get outside, go, you know, let's get some screen time and do that. So that's a, that was a very long explanation of first do, if you can do that for many, many kids, that's going to start to reverse these, these recurrent illnesses, because just by taking away the sugar, sugar suppresses the immune system. And the amount of sugar that's in about two sodas suppresses the immune system up to five hours. So by taking all that sugar out, it's like you're you're taking the boot off of your immune system and you're allowing it to work much more effectively. You know, I told a parent, uh, like a, you know, at the school, a fellow parent, a theory, because they were complaining that every Christmas break, their kid comes home like sick or gets sick a few days in. And I'm like, I swear it's because of all the parties at school (laughs) the the week before and loading up on sugar and everything else. And they're like, no, it can't be that. But I I don't know. I could be totally wrong. But secretly, I think that plays a role. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And that's why one of the things I always, when people are starting our program, they, I, I actually encourage people to do it around like if you can do it either before Thanksgiving or even right after Thanksgiving or even during, it gives you an excuse not to overeat and feel terrible at all the parties that you end up going to. Yeah, that's a good point. And then your right, your kids come home and they end up like, you know, crazy people, right? They're running oh, around, yeah. they're irritable. Um, it makes everybody crazy. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Um, so we've touched on dairy a little bit in this, and I know obviously you said sometimes it's better to look at the overall diet. I love that mini cleanse you just went through. I think that's so helpful. That's a very step-by-step actionable course of action that parents can take. Um, but when it comes to dairy, you do talk about it here and there. Do you find that it is one of the more prevalent things that's contributing to your patient's inflammation or the symptoms that are popping up? Yes. Yeah, so this was this was like the great, the big elephant in the room when I started to understand all of this, because that was the, the first thing I realized, right? After that, that mom told me about taking dairy out of the diet and the eczema improved and that ultimately the ear infections improved, I started really researching dairy a lot more in reading. And it was, I, I ha, and so I was very quiet about what I was doing for a while, you know, I, because here I'm recommending families pull dairy out of the diet of these kids. And the American Academy of Pediatrics is saying, no, your child needs to drink two to three cups of milk a day in order to have healthy bones. So then I started to break out, okay, wh- where does the research land in all of this? And then I found 
a book written by Dr. Oski, who is the head of Johns Hopkins Pediatrics in the mid 80s. And he's the one who wrote one of the big textbooks in pediatrics. And he wrote a book called Don't Drink Your Milk. And he outlined all of those illnesses that we talked about eczema, recurrent ear and sinus infections, um, constipation, asthma, um, allergies. Um, he, he even talks about strep throat. And so I, I read that book and the whole thing is cited. And so then when I wrote my book, because over the years I have spent, I, I wish I could have a penny for every hour I've spent reassuring parents and grandparents that kids are going to have healthy bones without drinking milk. And then eventually we have T. Colin Campbell, who writes a book called The China Study, and further supporting this, um, you know, the, the issues that dairy causes. And I, so there, I have a whole chapter in my book on dairy. And what I do is I outline, I really went through and I outlined what the, how powerful the marketing, the dairy industry has very effective marketing. And they're the ones who say milk makes healthy bones. And when you look at the research, it says, okay, we actually need four things for healthy bones you know, plus a few others, but the main, the number one by far is physical activity. So let's get outside. Let's run around. The, the second thing is, yes, we do need adequate calcium, but there are a lot of ways to get calcium other than milk or in addition to milk. The third thing is we need adequate vitamin D, right? Vitamin D helps our body absorb calcium better. And then the fourth thing we need are is vitamin K. And we get vitamin K, we need K1, we need K2. Um, for some of the, the vitamin K we get through green leafy vegetables. Um, and, you know, then we also need all the other trace minerals. So, but th those are the four main ones. And because one of the minerals I think that gets left out a lot is magnesium. And we also, we get magnesium through green leafy vegetables. But calcium is not able to do its job if we don't have an adequate amount of calcium. So, so I, I took that and then I looked at what are the, what did the studies show with illnesses and dairy? And when it comes to recurrent ear infections, one study showed that about in 40% of the kids who had chronic fluid in their middle ear, so, so kind of chronic recurrent ear infections, 40% of them had an allergy to dairy. And that's, in that study, it was actually a true allergy, but often it can be just a sensitivity. So, because I, I will see a lot of kids who go to the allergist and they get allergy tested. And when the test is negative, they'll stay on the dairy. And it's often, it won't be a true allergy. It's just a, a, it's just a food that creates inflammation in a, a lot of people. Um, with eczema, it's about a third of the kids with eczema, a third of the cases, um, food can be one of the triggers and dairy and eggs are the two big culprits. It's not always those two and it's not always both, but those can be, you know, the two of the culprits. Um, with constipation, there's a study that looked at kids 
who had constipation, some of them were only having a bowel movement every 15 days, which, oh my gosh. And what they did is they, they split them into two groups. One of the groups, they took the kids off of dairy and within a week they were having daily easy bowel movements. And then when they reintroduced the dairy, most of them were, were constipated again. So that's what we want to see is we want to see, okay, you, you remove the food, it improves, you add it back in, it worsens so that we can, you know, we want to see if we can prove causation. And, um, so then the other, you know, some of the other things when, when young kids drink a lot of milk, they can often get iron deficient anemia because if they have a sensitivity to dairy, they may be getting some blood in their stool and they're, one, that means there's a lot of inflammation and they're losing a little bit of blood through their stool, but even as importantly is their gut is inflamed. So they're not absorbing iron as effectively and efficiently as they could be out of their other food. Dairy doesn't have iron in it. Um, so this is, I mean, I could, I could talk and talk and talk about dairy, um, (laughs) But, and I know you you have read all of these things, but it was I wanted to have it all laid out super clearly in the book because people it's just so hard for people to wrap their heads around this food that we've sort of touted as the nectar of the gods could actually be making us sick in many cases. Yes. I, well, I have read a fair amount and I'm always careful about what I share specifics about my kids' health, but I will tell a quick story because my, when my son was born, I was doing my best. I didn't know nearly what I know now, but I was doing my best to kind of go the natural route. And I had a wonderful nurse practitioner who she could tell I was hesitant about, I had breastfed him up until he was just over a year and I was going to introduce milk, but I was like, not really wanting to do dairy. And she was like, you know, you can actually get milk or get calcium from other sources. And sometimes it's even better. She's like, you could just give him almond milk. It's really not essential. And I was like, with all the grandparents and everything else, like I just needed that one person to tell me that. Yeah. Um, and we did it and he did great. And then I had my second child and I was dealing with issues with that. And just through pressure with everybody around and babysitters, I ended up giving my son, it was of course, high quality organic milk, but giving him milk. And we immediately started seeing constipation issues. And uh, the doctor of course wanted him just to be on like Miralax indefinitely. But when I stopped the dairy, it completely turned around. Yeah, yeah. It's right. It's such, you want to scream it from a mountaintop when you see it. Yeah. Because, I mean, it can be pretty quick and, and or it's much more accepted now. But years ago, and, and even when you're right, when you're a mom and you have, you know, these professionals telling you something, it's really hard to go against that advice, even if your gut is kind of whispering to you going, oh, this doesn't feel right. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, of course, knowing what I know now, I hate that I ever gave my son Miralax, but I wanted to get what your thoughts are on Miralax because I have heard from so many parents who have ended up with their kids on it. So it, first of all, if anybody's listening is on it and, and for you, Molly, it's, um, it's absolutely, it's a tool, you know, and it's a tool that 
can be used. Um, ideally, it's a tool that we use for sh- a short period of time while we're getting the child's gut you know, sorted out, while we're figuring out what food is right for their system, do they need to have some supplements, um, while we're figuring out what, how do we get them to stool naturally. So when you open up the pa- like the packing slip for Miralax, it says right on it, use, you know, only use for seven to 10 days, you know, with the discretion of your doctor and not in kids under 17. And that, you know, we use medications off-label all the time in the pediatric world. So that's not, you know, that's not anything to get too excited about. Um, But it would be, and I did this when I was out of practice, is I would just, I would I convinced parents that this was perfectly safe. I mean, we would do it for years on end. And I just started one of the things, right, questioning. I'm like, why? They don't have a Miralax deficiency. Why do they need a laxative to go to the bathroom? And so if, because the other thing about Miralax is that the way it was studied is it stays in the gut and it doesn't get absorbed into the bloodstream. But if you've got a a pretty sick kiddo and you've got a lot going on, the cells along their GI tract may, you know, may have some inflammation in between them. And so they may be absorbing things into the bloodstream that we don't necessarily want to be absorbing. Um, A lot of people know this as leaky gut. You know, in the medical world, it's called a permeable intestine. So with the kids that have the troubles with it, because a lot of parents you may hear that you've spoken to may feel like their kids had behavior issues when they started the Miralax. Is that what, was that one of the things that you had heard people say? Yes. I didn't experience that, but I've heard people say that. Okay. And that's what I've maybe had one or two kids in 20 years that, that the parents said that, but that's one of the, you know, one of the things that they see. So um, and that's what I think is happening when they see the behavior issues is that they're probably just getting some systemic absorption where it, it's not meant to be absorbed. Um, and and if you gave your child Miralax and you're you're off of it now and they're you know you're on a, a good path and they're pooping, I would not think another minute about it. I think that that's totally fine. I do still use it when we need to in my practice because it's, you know, it's easy to get into kids because it's flavorless and it's, you know, it dissolves easily. Um, most of the time we're using magnesium and other supplements because there are really, we've got a lot of tools that we can get the kids pooping with now. Um, but if you're on Miralax and you're listening, absolutely stay on it. And, you, you know, while you're able to search out, you know, maybe an integrative medicine um, pediatrician or functional medicine pediatrician or even a nutritionist who studies this. Um, and one of the things that, that we have that I'm happy to give your listeners is it's a, just a free download. It's my integrative supplement guide. And I talk, I, I outline exactly what to take and how to do it. Um, and especially with with, with constipation. So I did, there's, we want to do the probiotic, the planetophilus, the digestive enzyme and the magnesium. Um, and I have a lot, I have several other supplements listed on there, but if you're listening and your child has constipation, you can start those. Absolutely talk to your doctor first because you don't want to stop the meg, the Miralax until they're really, they're stooling 
you know, we want to get the stool really consistent and regular before you start to wean the Miralax. Well, thank you for that. And I will, I will for sure link that in the show notes. I know I'm, I'm asking questions kind of all over the board here. Do you have time to get into eczema for a few minutes before we go? Yes. Yep. Okay. Do. Okay, great. Cause that's, uh, I feel like one that's more misunderstood, I, I suppose. Um, so it's very common. And I even have readers who are moms who will say, oh, the doctor prescribed a steroid. Do you know of like a natural alternative that would solve it? And, you know, I wish it was that easy. But in my own experience, having I've had eczema before, there's usually, you know, like you said, it's the canary in the coal mine. There's a reason it's there. It's the the eczema is not the issue. So what are some of the major contributors or what do you think people should do if they're first seeing that inflammation? Yes. And I, eczema is one of my favorite things to treat, as odd as that sounds, because once you really understand it, it takes the mystery out of it. So two, two of the key things, um, in we've got to look at the gut, right? We've got to look at, is there food contributing? You know, what's happening? But there's newer research that shows how impactful the microbiome of the skin is on the gut. And there's, there's also uh, kids and adults with eczema have a higher bacterial count on their skin, specifically staph bacteria that secretes something called a delta toxin. And when we're there, if that, if that staph is allowed to go unchecked, we could be on perfect nutrition and perfect supplements, but we may not see that really significant improvement. So that's why it's always a twofold impact. And how do you know if your child has that staph on the skin? Well, it's when that eczema looks really red, kind of angry. That's where staph can be playing a role. And it's, I mean, I use a prescription compound. And if for, for your listeners, I use, it's called the Dr. Aaron Regimen. And there is a wonderful, wonderful dermatologist out of South Africa. And he's got a closed Facebook group with, you know, but if you listen and you go on and say, Dr. Kilbane sent you, um, you know, and I'm sure if you just go on and answer the questions, they will let you in. But it's, it's compounded specifically. And it does have, I mean, it's a, a steroid and antibiotic and then um, a moisturizer, but we, you know, we mix it up in a certain ratio and that really helps with the inflammation and the staph. And this is particular for the really severe eczema for the families who've tried everything. And otherwise, if it's not, so that's, that's one category, but if it's a more mild eczema, that's where we want to really work with the gut. And here is where I would start with the, the supplement guide that I, you know, that I'll share with everyone while you're making the nutrition changes. So I literally would go through that mini cleanse, you know, so that you're going to decrease the sugar and the dyes and the junk. And then if the eczema is persisting, then you add in the supplements that you do the, the probiotic I have listed. It's called Planodophilus and the digestive enzymes. And then you're going to do the omega-3 fat and so on down the line. And that's, you know, if you remove dairy and you see you see some improvements, but it's not completely gone, then I would go on and consider removing eggs. 
But I would always, always, I don't love for families to remove too much food out of the kid's diet if they're not working closely with their doctor. Because we can, I see a lot of kids who end up, they're on a super restrictive diet and they become nutrient depleted. So we don't, we just don't want that to happen. We want to make sure we keep feeding your kids the good, healthy foods that they need for their cells and their brain health and their, um, you know, for everything to function properly. Absolutely. So, and that's in the supplement uh, download that you have, you have some of that outlined for the gut health, right? Yes. Yes. Perfect. And then there are, you know, for the topicals, the best thing you can use if it is more of a mild eczema and if you don't need that, you know, prescription topicals to address the staph on the skin, there are some great lotions that have Manuka honey in them. And the Manuka honey has anti-staph properties. I don't know if you used that at all when in your journey. Um, no, but actually that's very interesting. I do keep um, high-grade Manuka honey here, so I just never thought to use that. Yeah, so you could, you know, and there are companies that make it, you know, that that have it with the honey in it, but you could always make up your own concoction, right? You just take the honey and you would mix it with, you know, a good organic um, lotion. Yeah, that's a that is a fantastic idea. It's funny, I've never heard about the staff. I've well, for me, eggs do cause me to get eczema in a specific place on my legs. I always know, but it's like not all the time. It's it's always paired with like high stress or like something else going on. Cause normally if I eat eggs in moderation, like high quality pasture-raised eggs, it's not a problem. It's just like it's weird. So um yeah, the egg I don't hear a lot of people talking about eggs and eczema. So that's um I'm curious now that you've said that's one of besides dairy, one of the more prevalent things causing eczema in people. Yes. And it's on page 105 of my book. I have it listed. Wait, is that the right page? No, it's page 104 where I, I list the, the studies that have, you know, the citations for eczema with dairy and with eggs. I not, you know, if you have interest in reading the scientific studies. But. Yeah, that's, uh, well, I do. I don't know about all the listeners, but <laughs> they know I can nerd out about stuff like that. I like to do the deep dive. So <laughs> you, would, you would fit right into our practice. We are, we have a, a bunch of very nerdy women and who we, we love what we get to do every day. That's fantastic. <laughs> So for all the frustrated moms out there who are listening and like this is kind of ringing true in their own life, maybe they want to get off the merry-go-round of repeat prescriptions, where should they start to really dig in and find true healing for their child? Yeah. So we, um, I've created resources for each, you know, wherever you are in the journey. And so you can get a book, you know, you can get the book off of my website. You can get it on Amazon, wherever books are sold. And you can, the website, it's just SheilaKilbane.com forward slash book. And then we've got a bunch of resources there that you can download. And so you can do that. That's right. A nice inexpensive way to start to learn about all of this. Um, we have an online course that is a companion course to the book. And I do an open office hours call once a month with the course. 
you know, so we get on Zoom and, you know, just the, the, our parents can ask any questions and then you can also come to the practice. So we, I'm located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we see families from all over the country. You just have to come in at least once every calendar year. Um, and we just, we do programs. So it's, it's just a really great way. And we work with families to really get, you know, to get to the bottom of what, what needs to be addressed. And we get the kids to the point where then we can pull most of the supplements and any, you know, the prescriptions, um, you know, depending upon what the illness is, we're not, you know, if there's something that they need a prescription, absolutely, we continue that. But the goal is to get them into balance, you know, as quickly as possible and to figure out what the long-term, um, the best long-term plan for them is. Thanks for sharing all that. And it's such a great feeling when you are able to get the help you need and you're able to get true answers and you're seeing the results in your child. I can say that firsthand. So I really appreciate all those resources. I'm going to link your book and your website and that um, download you mentioned in the show notes. Um, are there is there anything else I'm forgetting that you wanted to mention? No, but what I will do do um i'll also send you a a webinar a, a link to a webinar it was called eczema 101 that i did for an eczema summit last year and it just i really go through and break it down and get into you know the 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 delta toxin and um you know i i think your listeners will find it very helpful Yes, that would be fantastic. I'd love to take a look at that myself. Awesome, awesome. And then the supplement guide, it will just be, it's SheilaKilbane.com and it's just S-H-E-I-L-A-K-I-L-B-A-N-E.com and it's forward slash supplement guide. And, and we'll, you know, of course we'll send that over for everyone. But I know sometimes when you're listening, you just want to, you want to be able to get it right then. Right. <laughs> that is true. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Kilbane. I really appreciate all your expertise and wisdom in this topic. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thanks. It's people like you that are helping to get all this information out. It makes a huge difference. And thank you for, for inviting me. Oh,